inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. I love you and always have, for as long as I can remember. I miss the sight of the written word in print, miss it a lot, but I am so grateful and lucky I have you. We've had our moments of frustration together, you and I, but we've had many more good times than bad. When I run my fingers over you, feeling your tiny raised bumps with each fingertip, a thrill of information and awareness runs through me. You are my window to the world. Before there was technology, computers, smartphones, and braille displays, there was you. Before you, there was a serious lack of equality for those who could not see the printed word. I love you and I owe you a great debt I owe a great debt to your inventor. So over the holidays, uh, my eight-year-old niece told me about how she'd been the one to uh, talk about Braille. And she'd made me a Christmas card, and she'd Brailled it herself. And she told me about how she told her teacher about Braille, and and her teacher asked if if my niece could make some bookmarks with her son's names in Braille on them. My niece spent a good hour or so during our family Christmas practicing, pressing hard with each finger to get all the dots as she experimented with our Perkins Brailler. Many people, nieces and teachers, no matter the age, are interested in what Braille is They have questions and want to learn more. Braille is literacy, and really, it's just cool. I'm so glad the UN has made January 4th officially World Braille Day. And on the 210th birthday of its inventor, the French inventor Louis Braille who changed many lives for the better, and he's done so ever since. I I owe him more than I owe most anyone else. I wish I could thank him in person for those six raised dots in all their wonderful combinations. I can find the correct floor in an elevator, in a hotel or hospital, and I can find my room when I travel and stay somewhere. I can't always read through menus at restaurants, though some establishments do have Braille menus, but not enough. What can I say about why I love Braille so much? What do you say about the beauty of literacy for everyone? But I celebrate what Braille has brought to my life, today especially and every day. So uh, that was something I wrote on Facebook. Um, Hi everybody, and this is Outlook. And I'm actually here today on a very cold 
day in London uh, by myself. My co-host, my brother Brian, he's off uh, on the job hunt um, today. So it's just me and uh, some help with the uh, theme and running all that. So thank you, Pam. No problem. So... um, as we've said last week on here on Outlook, and uh, as I'm going to talk about today, January is um, World Braille Month. So today I thought I would uh, just go through this list of 10 things you might not know about Braille that I found. I actually found it on the um, Perkins uh, website, which Perkins, if you're not aware, is a famous um, school for the blind and deafblind in um, Boston, Massachusetts, and um, it might be heard uh, that was the school where Helen Keller famously attended. Um, So they have a lot of interesting articles, so I just found this one the other day and thought I would check it out. So uh, number one, which we did sort of touch on last week, Braille was started out as a military code called night writing. It was developed in 1819 by the French, by um, French army soldiers, so they could communicate at night without speaking or using candles, obviously for safety reasons. And uh, at the time, 15-year-old French schoolboy Louis Braille was learning about the code and eventually developed a more usable, streamlined version of the Braille alphabet we know today. And I always think that's kind of cool because it's just one of those inventor stories that when you hear about uh, different people who've, who've invented, you know, whether it's electricity or, or whatever, um, sometimes these things come out of other totally sort of unrelated things. And that's such a long time ago now that it's hard to imagine. Um, but... Um, Number two was, um, I don't know if, I didn't know this one actually, and I've uh, known Braille, about Braille all my life, but there's an asteroid named Braille out there. In 1999, NASA's deep space probe flew past an asteroid while on its way to photograph the Borelli comet, and NASA named the asteroid 9969 Braille in honor of Louis Braille. And uh, I don't think Louis could have ever imagined that would happen when he invented that all those years ago. Um, I've always kind of been interested in space, so I thought that was a cool one that I learned. Because some of these things on the list, they are unknown to people who don't read Braille or whatever, but I I know a lot of them. But that one was a cool one. Number three, um, so we also touched on this before. Um, Braille takes up more space than a traditional al- than a traditional alphabet. So uh, Braille books are much larger than their print counterparts. So I can use this example because I actually own a set of all the Harry Potter books in Braille, um, and I could have actually gone through and. Uh, made note of how many how many um, books for each novel 
um, that are on my shelf right now. The first one was obviously started out as a children's book. It was small. It's only like three volumes. But Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is ten volumes in Braille. And um, the New American Bible is 45 volumes. Webster's Unabridged Dictionary is um, 72 volumes. So I've never felt the need to have a Braille dictionary. Um, but yet it would be kind of cool, as I'm a writer and I'm always interested to learn new words and things. So uh, I never had access to that, which maybe in school it would have been helpful. Um, also, I don't have a copy of the Bible, but I've often thought about giving it a read one day, someone who's just interested in literature, uh, maybe getting a copy. So number four is Braille is not a language. So I guess this is a thing that uh, people might just, if you ask them what, about Braille and what Braille is, they might use that word language. Uh, but obviously, it's not a it represents many languages. It's a tactile alphabet that can be used um, my print here to write almost in any language. So Louis Braille was obviously uh, he was born in France, so originally Braille was French, and uh, it eventually was translated into other languages in the late 19th century. So there are Braille versions of Chinese and Spanish. There's Braille, you can read Arabic and Hebrew and many other languages. So I don't personally know any other languages, but I, I mean, I did in school when I took French. Uh, we did have French Braille. And uh, number five. Most people, um, who are blind don't know Braille, which is, this is what they say, and then you look at statistics. It's really sad to me, and we've taught, had this conversation a lot lately about liter literacy, and just because we're in the age of technology and uh, computers, that doesn't mean Braille isn't necessary. And there's a lot of articles that are out there that say, is Braille still necessary? And I read these headlines and I just think, seriously? Um, I mean, is print still necessary? Of course it is. Uh, you might, you know, read it off a computer screen or you might use a pen and paper or, you know. But that does, you know, there's no, nobody asks that about print for sighted people. So it's like they think it is something else if they keep asking that. And even blind, the blind community asks it. Um, in school, I had some sight and was taught large print, but I was also taught Braille. Children who have some sight, a lot of times, I guess, I mean, sometimes there just aren't enough resources to teach the ch child or they're not being used properly. So it's easier to be lazy as, you know, a teacher or a school and just say, you know, well, you still have some usable vision, so just read large print. We'll, we'll think about Braille later or, or whatever. You know, it's like they're not facing the fact that if you are visually impaired, you could one day be totally blind, and it's just a good skill to have. So um, in 2009, the National Federation of the Blind in the U.S., 
cited statistics indicating that only 10% of Americans with blindness can read Braille. That number has been um, falling because apparently people are using listening to audiobooks exclusively and voice recognition software and other technology to read and write. Um, however, the same study found that Braille liter um, literate people are more likely to obtain higher levels of education and be employed with at higher numbers. So it's just one more of those skills that you can put to use um, in whatever your job might be to help you adapt and be able to do, do a, your job well. So it's important for these schools when these p children are young to look ahead a little bit, but that doesn't always get done. Number six, there's a Braille Olympics, <laughs> what they call it. It's the annual Braille challenge for students who are blind. It's, it's sponsored by the Los Angeles-based Braille Institute, and more than 1,400 students from the U.S. and Canada test their Braille skills, um, skills like reading, comprehension, proofreading, and spelling. And the winners in each age group, they walk away with monetary prizes and Braille bragging rights for the year. So um, this just, I guess, is a fun way of getting people in, in, involved. And um, I have won something like this here in Canada. Um, I was 16 or so, and I won a first prize in the Braille Literacy Contest. Uh, I wrote a short story about my guide dog at the time. So that's the thing where you have to write it out in Braille, um, like I have here today, actually. I have, um, I have electronic Braille, which I often use, and um, then I also have some notes here that I, I made with my Braille, Braille um, Brailler at home, which is like a typewriter. <laughs> It's old, old school, but it's still good. Um, and it's just nice to go back to now and then. Um, so number seven, just because you're blind doesn't mean you don't have to learn math, which to my chagrin, because I hate math, but um, <laughs> I guess it's a good skill to have for everyone. Reading is literature, liter literacy is important, and so is math. So there's a special version of Braille, and it's called the Nemeth Code. Um, it was invented by Dr. Abraham Nemeth and can be used to transcribe math, algebra, and calculus. So that's, that's good. Uh, my brother, who's not here today, he, um, he's more of a math guy. And uh, so that was always a thing. We always used our, our brailers in school to do math. But before that, I used large print. I used a black marker, but... So it's just different signs and symbols. So um, number eight, Braille is, um, I mean, yeah, Braille is a surprise twist, plot, um, plot twist. In um, 2010, there was a movie, which I haven't seen, um, The Book of Eli. And in the movie, Denzel Washington plays a loner who wanders through a violent post-apop, this is a hard word to say, apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland with the last known copy of the Bible. And at the end, you find out 
that the Bible is in Braille and Washington's character is blind. So yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I do recall at the time somebody had seen it and they sort of came to me and like, oh my God, did you, I saw this movie and you wouldn't believe what the ending is. <laughs> so I have to check that out. So number nine, there are two versions of uh, Braille, contracted and uncontracted. So uh, in uncontracted, every word is spelled out, just like print would be. But contracted Braille is a shorthand version where common words are abbreviated, much like in print or, you know, you'd have an example that most people might understand. Don't is a short version of do and not, do not. So it's kind of like that. And as, as far as how much space Braille takes, um, it's helpful to have grade two, which is what it's called, grade one and grade two. Everybody always asks, so what's grade three Braille? <laughs> it doesn't keep going. Um, it's just another name for it. But yeah, so it, it helps take up less space in textbooks that I had in school, which used to take up rows and rows of shelf, shelves in the classroom or uh, my Harry Potter books that take up a whole wall of shelves at home. Most kids start with uncontracted and then learn the contracted version. So I was, very, I was the same. You start by learning letters and the alphabet, and then you start by learning, you know, as you, as a child grows and learns to read and write and spell and everything. And once you get good at that, then they want to introduce it. They don't like to introduce grade two Braille um, too early because if you, if you don't know how to spell, then you'll just learn the contractions anyway, and you won't really have to learn how to spell many words because it goes from and and the being a contraction, just one character, which they call. So Braille is a six cell for each, um, each one, and um, so instead of writing T-H-E, you just do the contraction, which takes up one space on a line. It's much handier. So I, um, I eventually learned grade two Braille, and I just love it because you can have words from the and 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 with and of all the way to P for people and K for knowledge, so um, R for rather, so, and then, you know, stand you do an st and an a and d and it's just a lot quicker so we come to number 10 and there's a good reason why braille is on keypad buttons of those drive-through atms this is actually a big one that i hear a lot people are like why what's the point of braille and it, they think it's sort of funny i don't know they laugh um, and it's important that all ATMs are accessible with Braille on the, on the keys. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but if you're ever at a bank, um, next time, check it out. Um, plus, um, now you can use the headphones, obviously, and listen. But the point is, the, um, this is a, an American article, obviously, from Boston. So um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, I'm not sure if that's very well known here in Canada, but um, it was um, actually with George Bush Sr. dying recently, he was the one who um, made that happen. So that's one of his achievements that they list when they talk about what he did. 
um, with this presidency. So that's more than the current president has done. Um, but anyway, it, the ADA mandates that all ATMs must be accessible to people with visual impairments. And the drive-through ATMs, um, it's because the passengers who are blind may be traveling in the back seat of cars or in taxis, and they can reach the ATM and independently make a transaction. And that is true. I mean, think about it. If you're in a taxi, you, I mean, you, I, you just don't want to have to ask for help. And everybody's like, well, that's the option. You just get some help from someone. And that is great when people are, um, you know, around and willing to do stuff. But when it comes to sort of private information, like your bank, banking information, that's not really um, what you want to do. So, yeah, those are my 10. And... Uh, some of them are more interesting than others. <laughs> but um, we're going to talk further about Braille, obviously, next time when Brian's back. Um, this is Outlook, and you're just here with me today. Uh, just get me today, Carrie. Um, and we are on Twitter at OutlookCFB. Um, so I just thought I'd finish sort of not a Braille issue so much, but... Um, I just wanted to make a little note to anyone listening who might might know what I'm talking about or might come across what I'm talking about. Um, recently, there has been a lot of talk. So I'm with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. That's what um, is sort of the basis for this show. And uh, we keep an eye on things. And we've noticed recently there have been reports of people hanging out in grocery stores. Um, there have been a lot of there's been a lot going on in Manitoba and uh, here in Ontario. So we've been keeping an eye on that. Last uh, September, um, the three of us who are the Ontario chapter heads, uh, I'm the secretary, and um, Brian is the treasurer, and um, then we have a chairman, Eric. We held a fundraiser barbecue on a very very hot day in September last year at Canadian Tire. So we were out front Canadian Tire and we had tables set up and everything. And we asked um, permission, obviously. So we brought the food and had, and they, they lend you the barbecue. And uh, so it was just basically the three of us um, with a bit of help um, from another friend who was visiting. But we wanted to show people passing by that, you know, blind people can barbecue and they can run this thing. And we weren't just standing in a store begging, which is what we're trying to get away from. There's this sort of culture that's got a long, long history of blind, the blindness community. And, you know, you think of a blind person begging on the street or something or busking or, you know, with a, a cup asking for money. And things have gotten so much better. And though there is a high, still a high um, unemployment for blind people, it's getting better and that's some of the work we do at the CFB is try to improve that. So we're less inclined to sort of ask for money, f you know, for nothing. So we had a barbecue where we made this food and served it. And on this hot day, people, you know, couldn't resist the smell. It smelled good there with the sausages and hot dogs and hamburgers. And they came over and they got a drink and uh, some food. And um, we raised some good money from that. And so 
it was sort of good all around. Um, but we started hearing about this, where there were just people standing in the grocery store and uh, not offering anything in return, not sort of showing a good message is kind of what we want to put out there. So um, I, I just heard about it on this past weekend. So I thought I would point it out. It's happening in the area, or it has been. Um, a little bit of action was taken yesterday. I'm not sure that'll be enough to stop these people. Um, but we're a small enough organization, nonprofit, and uh, so we're small enough, we're smaller than the Canadian National Institute uh, for the Blind. So it's a little easier for someone who wants to scam and get some money to just look our website up, um, snatch our logo off the internet, and then just print a, a flyer or something and stand there with a table and, you know, a sign. And um, these people have fake charity numbers and everything. So it's quite elaborate. And I, I'm a, a person who's interested in sort of human psychology. And I just wonder what kind of people do this sort of thing and how they don't feel guilty about what they're doing. And, but that's another story, obviously. So I had these reports of um, someone at the Loblaws in London doing this yesterday. And really, I'm tr we're trying to figure out how to best handle it because there's really not much you can do. You can... Um, we have gone to the police when it's happened in um, Chatham or somewhere recently, and sometimes they say, "Well, we'll look into it," or you know, or other times they, you know, it's just not important enough of a a thing for them to to be able to use the manpower and devote their time to. These people kind of are slippery, and they sort of just pop up you know, here and there one day and then they're gone the next and they actually do make money because people, you know, for the most part are very generous and, you know, that's not something we want to discourage. It's it's sad that we have to sort of become, I don't know. I don't know if Pam, if you've seen this at all, but I, you know, I would appreciate if anybody listening could just keep an eye out, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, somebody at the grocery store yesterday did... Um, Apparently, they worked for charities in the past, so they recognized their, the, the setup as kind of generic, and they figured this doesn't sort of look right. Um, but, you know, most people wouldn't know. So this person actually found our Facebook page, and I'm the, uh, I monitor our Facebook page, so I, I received the message yesterday. In, in the moment, I didn't realize that this person was at the store, and they actually approached this person and said, you know, this, uh, this is not... This is not legit. And yeah. the person obviously, well, the person sort of said, well, here's a website. But, I mean, anybody could pull up the CFB website. Right. And it was that in Manitoba or was that happening in London? No. Well, it happened in Manitoba, but it happened in London yesterday. Oh, my gosh. So I'm not even sure. Are there multiple law laws in London? Um, I know the one in the north. Yeah, I think, if there's a, I think there's two. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd have to look again to see which one it was. But anyway... Um, Yikes. Yikes. I don't know. And it just it just puts a bad, you know, it just puts a bad look to sure. what the work we're trying to do. Um, yeah, because to the passerby, it's as legitimate as it looks, right? And, oh, that's gross. That's really gross behavior. Yeah. It's just, it gets me all, uh, you know, outraged. And, I, you know, as a, with a, as a writer, I think, oh, I got to write about this and I got to, or social media, I got to get the word out. And, I mean... Again, you don't know what that can do, but you never know. Yeah. So I thought I'd bring that up here. Yikes. So I don't know. It would be interesting to be in the store and confront this person. 
Definitely. A few of us had this Let's discussion. Do a stakeout. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's got there's there's got to be a way, but these people are sneaky. Ugh. So. So I don't know if you learned anything about Braille by listening to that list, but Heck yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Um Yeah, so I'll be back next week with Brian, I think. He's a he's a busy guy these days. Yeah, so. good luck on the job search, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and again, we're on Twitter. This is Outlook and um, Twitter at Outlook CFB. And thanks, everybody, for listening to me today. Just me. Thanks, Gary. Have a good week. <laughs>